Welcome to the I Believe Your Abuse podcast, where we talk all things narcissistic abuse, focusing mainly on being in a romantic relationship with a narcissist. I'm your host, Brandy Fuller Anderson. I am a counselor, coach, and survivor, and author of the book I Believe You Escaping Understanding and Healing from Narcissistic Abuse. The narc that I talk about in my personal stories is my now ex husband. So I refer to the narcissist as a he, but that's just my story. So alter it in whatever way you seem fit to fit your own personal narrative because narcissists come in all shapes and forms. This episode, I'm going to discuss some additional red flags, some different warning signs that you may now be able to remember noticing in your past relationship with the narcissist. Behavior quirks that are indicative of someone with a personality disorder and some that you will just want to be wary of so that you don't excuse them and remain in a toxic relationship long enough to find yourself the victim of another trauma bond, another narc partner. These discussions are how we spread awareness about these assholes and how we arm ourselves with the knowledge that will help us develop strong boundaries that will prevent us from falling into these same abusive traps in the future. Today we continue discussing some of the red flags that you can be aware of that will tip you off to a potentially abusive relationship in time for you to get the hell out of there. Knowing the signs and tells of the behaviors of a narcissist, knowing all about the cycle of abuse, and developing enough knowledge that it increases the confidence you have with your ability to choose what feels right and what feels wrong will be what keeps you safe moving forward. You likely saw the red flags in your past relationship, but were you sure about what they meant? Many of us spend so much unnecessary time in an abusive relationship because we simply don't know what it all means. We need to understand the behavior. We need to be sure we didn't contribute to it. We need to know it can't be changed. These are all self-sacrificing ideals that we have trouble walking away from in the midst of the developing trauma bond. But this time, we do know it is troublesome and unacceptable behavior. We do know we didn't contribute to it. And we do know that it cannot be changed. This time, we know. As long as we have healed and learned and have stopped asking, how did I miss this? When we should have been asking, how did I justify this? When it doesn't feel right, we know it isn't worth our time to find out why. And as you heal, you can be learning ways in which you went down the wrong path in your prior relationship, so you don't repeat the same mistakes. This is why we're here. So let's discuss more of those red flags. The red flag we start with today, boredom. Have you ever felt like it was difficult to keep your narc's attention? Have you been confused about how he seems to lose interest in you pretty quickly? Does he start projects and never finish them? 
Does he make plans and never follow through? Is he always complaining about being sick of something? The narcissist is easily bored, or at least appears that way. Because his moods shift from one moment to the next, he can appear very wishy-washy and seemingly appear to just get bored with whatever it is he's playing with. When whatever he's playing with isn't constantly giving to him, because he doesn't care, he's never actually listening to you. When conversations divert away from the topic of him and what he wants, he wants nothing more than to move away from it, making it appear as though he is bored of the discussion, when in actuality, he was never listening in the first place, as this would involve him caring about something or someone other than himself. Because of his lack of object constancy, you'll remember I discussed this in depth in episode two, he can be very excited and totally into you or something else one minute, while he's feeling positive and unshamed, but can quickly become very much done with you or whatever else he is doing once he's triggered. Because he is superficial in all of his thoughts and relationships, he is superficial in his connections to people, objects, and even topics. He will easily move on from anything because he's never truly invested in anything. Since he only superficially invests in something, those somethings quickly become undeserving of any energy he can expend on it. But something or someone new is still exciting and worth a few superficial moments of his time. Seconds, minutes, days, the moment of time worthy of his energy can vary based on how long it takes the narcissist to realize it no longer is solely suiting his personal needs or desires. He may find a brand new hobby, convinced that this will be the hobby that shows the world how fantastic he is. He's the best. He will be the fastest or the first. He will gain so much publicity of, and people everywhere will be jealous of him. But then he starts this new hobby and things don't go as planned, which tends to happen with fantasy. Hardly anyone tells him how great he is. Some other loser has the nerve to pretend to be better at the hobby than he is. And he feels jilted. This sucks and he's now bored with this hobby and must choose a new one. Now it may not be gone forever, since he only touches the surface with how much he connects with things. He can easily fool himself again at a later time that there must have been a mistake that last time and this time he will succeed at gaining the admiration he so deserves and he tries again. So you can see how this might appear as though he starts hobbies and simply gets bored of them. He cannot just stop being himself or all for himself. He cannot just view the world with an open mind or imagine how things might be affecting other people or how those things might feel for you. And he cannot contemplate the future other than with his internal fantasy. He lacks wonder. It's sad, really. His inability to be authentic is pathological, and he'll become easily bored with almost everything and everyone 
and just move on. If you never felt truly connected to anything, if you never went all in, felt that passion, that love, that deep involvement, you would simply feel bored. And since he's unable to self-regulate his emotions, it will often come across as simple boredom and sometimes anger. Because of this inherent boredom, that same narc is constantly searching for an escape from this and will likely have some form of addiction. Now, I know what you're thinking. Narcissists are addicted to attention, every last one of them. And this is true. But they're also constantly looking for something to cover the feelings of emptiness that they have. A narcissist will be seeking something to distract himself from how much the world disappoints him. He's a professional victim, right? With the world constantly disappointing him, he may feel a new excitement about how great this new adventure will be. He becomes addicted to that adrenaline. Emotional thrills can temporarily keep him from his normal, sad, empty baseline emotional state. The more time he sits idle, the more time he has to connect to his inner voice. And that inner voice only points out his flaws, triggers his shame, reminds him how much others owe him, or whatever other negative but essentially useless thoughts hang out there. There is nothing productive there, and he works to avoid sitting with that. He doesn't know how to relate to others, because all of the things we already mentioned. But he cannot survive without others, since he cannot self-soothe. So drinking and partying are great ways to loosen up and meet new people. These party nights or inebriations also offer an excuse for any indiscretions that might otherwise offend or off-put any potential suitors who will likely convince themselves the behavior they didn't like was just attributed to the fact that the narc was intoxicated. Because he never contemplates the future, party guy addictions like gambling and overspending are easy for him. Since it's all about him, he sees no reason he should not buy what he wants when he wants. And he has little to no concern for future repercussions. So considering any bills he may need to pay will not cross his mind. Why should he suffer because of some bills that need paid? Surely you won't mind taking care of that for him so that he can just be happy. The ease with which he takes what he wants despite any consequences for you leads to his general dishonesty or lack of integrity. He may sign contracts with zero feelings for the weight of that responsibility. If he wants to pay it back, he will. But why would he want to? He certainly won't feel bad about not following through with that responsibility because he lacks integrity. He may borrow money often as a result of his immature and carefree spending habits and no ability to contemplate the future. There will be those rare times that he offers to pay someone back, but that's usually because that payback impacts him in some other positive way. For instance, keeps a superficial friend around when he knows he will need to continue using that friend for something else, something worth more than the amount of money borrowed. 
Or maybe his payback will be seen by many, which makes it worth the attention he'll get from being seen as this stand-up character. Borrowing from someone that is family almost always guarantees no payback, since they're obligated to be in his life, and he feels no need to work to please them, as they should just understand how hard he has things, and how impossible it is for him to pay things back when he simply doesn't want to. If he's hounded for the payback, he will definitely have a myriad of excuses as to why his inability to pay is someone else's fault. His paycheck is lost, or payroll made a mistake. He lost a job due to the fault of his lousy boss, or due to his responsibilities at home, or due to his spouse who steals his money and spends those funds recklessly. You know, such as for bills and groceries. Since he lacks integrity, if he were to check out at the grocery store and the cashier were to accidentally give him a 20 and change instead of a 10, he will be elated. He will see this as the universe acknowledging his greatness and feel no obligation whatsoever to pay it back or to refuse to accept it. He's not thinking about that cashier and the possibility they could lose their job for making an innocent mistake. In fact, if you call him out on it, he'll be quick to tell you that that's just what that dumb cashier gets for being so terrible at their job. If he finds a wallet on the street, he's opening it up and taking the money out, without any regard for the person who lost it. The only exception to this would be if someone witnessed the finding of the wallet, someone who he needed to impress. If he happened to be self-aware enough to get that he was being judged for such behavior as reckless disregard for the well-being of others, most are not. Or if returning it was going to bring him some amazing attention, or if there was a possibility for an even bigger reward for returning it. Every motive, every action, is selfishly based. And the first red flags may come as minor indiscretions that you're willing to overlook. Make it a habit to see the whole picture. The combination of small, questionable behaviors or uncomfortable moments. The lack of integrity, the dishonesty, the boredom, the addictions. If your narc partner is making promises and never follows through with them, he is showing you his lack of integrity and general lack of disregard for you and your feelings. Once may be excusable, but adding up those small incidences will lead to the clear pattern you will otherwise look past. It takes practice to stop putting each incident in its own compartment. To recognize the familiarity of what you're feeling and consider the bigger picture, so work on it. If you watch your partner tell a lie to a perfect stranger on the street or a friend at a party, he has just disclosed himself to be a liar. Do not try to justify it in some other way. If you find something your partner has been keeping from you and it's hurtful, maybe even huge, he has shown he is generally a deceptive and uncaring person. Don't look for other excuses. 
You can protect yourself from predators, but it will take some awareness and practice on your part to change the way that you've been doing things in the past and make conscious attempts to not excuse away behaviors that repeat themselves. To not just see the red flags, but to listen to what they're telling you. In a relationship with a narcissist, you will always feel alone. Always. Because your narc partner will never actually care to get to know you, he likely isn't listening to much of what you say. He simply doesn't care. You won't ever feel heard and you will get little satisfaction out of any conversation that you attempt with him. You might as well be alone and you'll feel this. In fact, most of the time when you are talking, unless you're talking about him or what you have to offer him or what you're about to do for him or how he can get some recognition, he mostly wishes you would just stop talking. Your relationship with a narcissist will never be anything but superficial. It will never be intense, all-encompassing, deeply intimate. You'll be fooled into thinking that it is. But once you're able to take a step back and start separating reality from fantasy, fact from that trauma bond, you'll see that there won't be any real connection. You won't even get in return what you put into it. And this is noticeable in the beginning, if you're paying attention. It is much harder to detect later on once the trauma bond has formed and you have tricked yourself into naturally discrediting any doubts that you may have. So it is important to pay attention to these warning signs when they first start happening. Don't give up. Keep working on understanding yourself, finding yourself. Work on writing down your journey, revisiting experiences, separating fact from fantasy, and keep learning. You will heal, you will feel strong, and you will be able to confidently enter new relationships knowing what you're looking for and what you're willing to put up with and knowing you are strong enough and wise enough to walk away from anyone who falls short. Keep looking for the one who deserves you because he's out there. There's no need to settle. As always, if you want support in between episodes, you can find some on Facebook or Instagram at I Believe Your Abuse. You can find local support, including resources for meetings, support groups, and professionals who specialize in narcissistic abuse if you visit our website at IBelieveYourAbuse.com. You can also visit IBelieveYourAbuse.com to pick up your copy of my recovery book, I Believe You escaping understanding and healing from narcissistic abuse. 
You can also help to raise awareness about narcissistic abuse by purchasing from our shop, so please go check that out. You can also send in comments, requests for a specific topic to be addressed on the podcast, or share your survivor stories by sending an email to ibelieveyourabuse at gmail.com. Be sure to follow the podcast to have episodes automatically added for you to listen to as they come out. And if you have friends or family who are struggling with narcissistic abuse, or are just willing to learn about and understand your experience, please share the show with them. Spreading awareness and understanding are so important. Until next time, own your truth. Never stop telling your story. I believe you.